Hello, and welcome to the Scriptures Are Real podcast. This is the podcast where we talk about elements of the scriptures that have made them become more real for us because we think that allows us to draw more power out of them and apply them to our lives better, and we need all the help we can get. I'm your host, Kerry Mielstein, and I'm so excited to have with me again uh, my my friend and actually my editor also, uh, Samantha Milburn. She's been a, a guest a couple of times and has always been fantastic, so we're glad to have you with us. Sam, thank you. Thanks, Carrie. I appreciate you inviting me on again, especially for this one um, that lands on Mother's Day. I'm I'm excited to be a part of it. Yeah, and I think we're, we're going to tie that in. Uh, it, it'll be exciting. So uh, Sam is uh, the, am I saying this correctly, the head editor for Covenant Communications. Uh, most people think of it as Covenant Book, but it's actually called Covenant Communications. Uh, is that what your title would be? The managing editor. Managing editor. Okay. <laughs> uh, I just uh, think of her as the big boss. So, but uh, all right. So, uh, and it, I will say it's just a delightful person to work with and um, uh, gifted and kind in every way, bo- both of those things. And so we're just glad to have her with us. So, and as you mentioned, Sam, I'm excited that uh, the last day of this Come Follow Me reading assignment is Mother's Day, and I I think we'll end up uh, talking about that as we talk about a a particular scripture. So why don't you uh, take us there? All right. Um, So as I was reading this, uh, so we're going to be in Matthew 19. And as I was reading these verses um, a long time ago, I uh, got to the to the young man who is asking Christ um, what he needs to do to have eternal life. And it just hit me so hard as a mom, um, these verses. And, and so that's why I am excited to be on here for mother's day uh, because I just, I think that it is so inspired of the church to put these verses in this week's study Um, I'm a mom of five. Um, all of my kids are little and, uh, and I've, um, I've had every emotion you can have as a mom. Um, I've, I've been very proud of myself. I've been very proud of my children. I've been extremely disappointed in myself. I've been extremely disappointed in my children and everything in between. And, um, and sounds like most parents all right yeah um and as uh as the managing editor of covenant i have uh, a lot of opportunity to talk about our consumer base and and their needs and what we can do what we can produce to help them and to help build the kingdom of god and I was in a meeting one day and we were talking about Mother's Day products and we were discussing a certain concept that um, that somebody thought would be good for mothers. And somebody else said, we need to be really careful because we don't want to discourage women. We don't want to put this product out and have them say, well, I'm not good enough and I, I'm not that mom and I'm not that woman. And, um, you know, and I just thought my word, we, we live in such a sad time when a a publishing company has to be careful about what we put out because we don't want women to say, oh, that makes me feel bad. Yeah. And, and it's a it's a tricky thing. I'll just say, uh, you know, as a uh, a bishop, and uh, this is, hasn't been just while I've been a bishop, but for a long time, uh, it's a difficult thing to think through what you can have people speak about on Mother's Day, because you want to talk about uh, the the wonderful concept of motherhood and wonderful women and so on, and yet it's almost guaranteed that if you say how wonderful uh, that role is or how wonderful someone is that a whole bunch of people are going to say, okay, well, that's not me. So now I'm just a failure. And, uh, and it will be rather than inspiring, it will be depressing. Yeah. Yeah. That's exactly, that was exactly our conversation. Um, and, and I just thought, man, we've got to, we've got to change that. Yeah. Like 
I, I'm not, I'm not going to win the mother of the year award by any stretch, but, um, but I recognize that I am doing an important work and I want every woman, every mom out there to feel that they are doing an important work, that they're not a failure. Like if that is the one thing that I can just preach in this short little podcast we're doing together, then, then I will. Like we have got to stop thinking that we are failures because we're not winning the mother of the year award. Amen. It, it just, it's, it's got to stop. We are, we are heavenly father's hands on this earth and we cannot diminish that. Amen. Um, so with that, um, let's segue into this Matthew 19 passage because, so we're going to be talking primarily about, um, Matthew 19 verses 16 through 22, but the story doesn't stop there. And, and we often stop at verse 22, but I want to, I want to keep going with it, um, with mothers and women in mind. So in verse 16, the young man comes to Christ and says, good master, what good thing shall I do that I may have eternal life? Um, and, and Jesus says, why do you call me good? There's only one good person. That's God. And I think right there, um, Christ is testing him a little bit. Like who, why are you coming to me? Are you coming to me because I'm a preacher? Are you coming to me because you know I'm the son of God? What do you see me as? Uh, good. And, uh, and I'll, I'll also note that because this has been a reoccurring theme on the podcast that, uh, again, the Savior constantly turns that attention to God. Uh, so I think you're, you're right. He's trying to figure out what's going on with this young man, but he also uses this as an opportunity to turn the attention to God and, and not about himself. Now, we bring people to Christ. We can bring them to God, but that's his role, and that's what he's doing here. He's bringing them uh, to God, and uh, it fits in with a, a theme that we've developed a number of times. So I just wanted to – I can't help but highlight it. It's a, a, a reflex for me. But anyway, sorry, keep going. That's great. That's great. Um, okay, so this young man says – um, what is the one thing I need to do to have eternal life? I love that. Like he, he, he knows that he has been doing, um, keeping the commandments. He knows he's been living righteously. He's like, what is this one thing I'm like? Why have I not been translated yet? <laughs> <laughs> and, um, and Christ says, keep the commandments. He says, well, I have, I've, I've been doing that. And then Christ goes through and, and lists a bunch of commandments. Do this, do this, do this. Um, and then Christ says, if that was basically the Ten Commandments. I mean, it's just this is nothing new, right? So right. anyway, sorry, keep going. Yeah. Um, then Christ says, if thou wilt be perfect, go and sell that thou hast and give to the poor, and thou shalt have treasure in heaven, and come and follow me. Well, that was too much for the young man. Um, and they say because he had great possessions. Um, we, so, so I liken that to women because, um, oh, and I, I missed the most important part of this. What lack I yet? So, so the young man asked, what lack I yet? <clears throat> and then Christ tells him, give up everything you have and come follow me. And, I think that as women, we often say, I've been doing everything I can. I, I'm I'm trying to raise my kids. I'm trying to, some of us are working. Some of us are working in the home. Um, we're fulfilling our callings in church and our Relief Society responsibilities, helping get meals to to the sick and to the needy and to funerals and whatever, and helping somebody babysit their kids when they need it and going and talking to the lonely widow and, you know, doing all these different things. And our days are just so full. Um, 
Carrie, you and I were talking about how everyone's busy before we started the podcast. Everyone is so busy. Women are so busy today. And, and they just feel like, what, what else? I, I can't do anything else. I think that, um, I think that Satan has twisted this a little bit. Instead of saying what lack I yet, women today say, I, I don't lack anything. Like I, I'm going, 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 going. And, and I still feel like I'm failing, you know, um, that's our, that's our, what lack I yet. I'm, I just, I'm constantly, and I still feel like I'm failing and, um, and you can uh, so often saying, I've been trying to do all this list of things from my youth up, like, like he's saying, right. Yeah. I've been, I've been trying to do all of it but I can't keep up. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> so Jesus says, well, give up what you have and come follow me. And, um, I think that sometimes we say, well, what am I, what am I giving up? I like everything I'm doing is good. You know, everything I'm doing, I'm trying to do what's good. So how do I give up what's good? And, and I think that what we give up is our our thoughts that I'm not good enough. Oh, good. Our thoughts that we're not meeting some expectation. Uh, our thoughts that we're failing our children in one way or another because maybe they're not getting good grades in school. Maybe they have chosen um, friends who we wouldn't choose for them. Maybe we have older kids who are choosing a path that we wouldn't want them to choose. Um, they've fallen away from the gospel or they're just confused about a, a career path or a marriage path or, you know, whatever, to, whatever the case may be, something that we, we don't control and, but we're still trying to control and heavenly father saying, give that up. Just, just do what I've asked you to do and follow me. Uh. Um, I, I love, um, elder Holland's talk, uh, that he gave in the October, 2017 conference be therefore perfect eventually. Yeah. Um, it's it's one of the all-time greats because we all need that talk. Yeah. Um he uh in it he said um that Satan has turned the ideals and inspiration of the gospel into self-loathing and misery making. And I think that's so powerful because again, with these verses in Matthew 19, um, for us today, I think that's what's happening is that we, he has taken the, what lack I yet and put into our minds, like it, instead of just finding joy in the gospel and, and finding peace in the gospel, we're finding an endless list of to do's that we can't match yeah. our the hours in our date with. <clears throat> um, but Elder Holland says, as children of God, we should not demean or vilify ourselves as if beating up on ourselves is somehow going to make us the person God wants us to become. No, with a willingness to repent and a desire for increased righteous, <clears throat> righteousness always in our hearts, I would hope we could pursue personal improvement in the way that doesn't include getting ulcers or anorexia, feeling depressed, or demolishing our self-esteem. That is not what the Lord wants for primary children or anyone else who honestly sings, I'm trying to be like Jesus. Hmm. Um, so in this, what lack I yet? It's this. It's giving up the self-loathing. It's giving up the misery making and finding the joy in the gospel and finding the joy in our families. We're not, we're not going to be perfect. Um, again, the name of this talk is be therefore perfect eventually. 
it's never going to happen in this life. Yeah. That's, that's the key right there. We are never going to be perfect in this life. It's a step-by-step process. In fact, if I can just insert for a second, I, uh, you know, I teach Old Testament courses quite a bit. And in one of my courses, the second half of the Old Testament, we end up talking about idolatry a lot. So the first assignment I have the students do really early on, after we've had just a little while to talk about what are modern day idols, um, I ask them to to discuss what that looks like in lives in, in modern lives in general. And then I ask them to list four things that are an idol for them and to keep that list. And, and I always tell them, you don't have to put that part in. If you, if you want to keep that private, then you can. Most of them put it in. Some do keep it private. But I say, keep that list so that as we keep coming back to idolatry, you can refer, you can just open up your phone or whatever it is you keep your list on and, and look at that as we go along. Um, interestingly, I've, I've noticed some of the more perceptive papers have been people who have said things like, uh, there was one girl who said, well, I've noticed that my my negative view of myself has become my false god. That's where I keep going, and and uh, that's not uh, really worshiping God. Uh, or uh, a number of, and I think this is one of the, it's becoming more common, and it's one of the more perceptive ones. A number of them have talked about uh, me being everything that the world tells me I should be, and we'll come back to what we mean by the world in just a second, has become a false god for me. Like, oh, I need to be this and this and this and this and this, right? Now, for me, the interesting thing, the other thing we end up talking about a lot in that semester is how often uh, we we mix the world's ideas with God's ideas. So the ancient Israelites typically didn't stop worshiping Jehovah and start worshiping Baal or Asherah. They worshiped both at the same time. Uh, they had their worship of Jehovah, and they they put Asherah right in there with it, and they felt just fine about worshiping Asherah because they were worshiping Jehovah as well. Um, and I think we do that also, and that's part of our problem is that we have some godly ideals. Okay, well, I need to love my neighbor. I need to love God. And then we we mix in worldly ideas. Well, that means I do this and this and this, and I need to look this way, and my children need to look this way. And I don't mean physical appearance, but that that too. But I mean I need to to this is the kind of family activities we should have, and these this is the way our children should behave, and this is the way that I should behave, and these are the things that I should do because my Latter Day Saint culture, which is this interesting mixture of the, the culture around me, whatever my local culture is around me, and godly ideas, it's a mix of that, and that's what it tells me I need to look like. And so I think that often that becomes a false god, and it creates the second false god, which is this false god of our negative views. Um, and uh, I, I think you're right. In fact, I was just reading an article just this morning in uh, uh, on KSL uh, that talked about uh, depression and negative views, and it's happening among young men as well, but much higher rate among young women. And I think that that, that could be extrapolated to be true of men and women as well. Uh, so it, this does happen. This is something that men need to work with as well. We should be clear about that. But I think it is a bigger struggle for uh, for women and for mothers. Uh, but that's still important for men to be aware of because we have our wives and our mothers and our daughters and our sisters uh, that we should be uh, supporting in this issue. But I, I do think part of what you're talking about is has become a false god for us. Hmm. I I think you hit the nail on the head, Carrie, because um, we do we look at everything around us and we say, okay, my this this is my expectation. Everything that I think I'm seeing out there yeah Um, we um in our house we have like my kids are still young and so they ask a lot of questions like why do we have to do this why is this this way and a lot of times my husband and I answer because society says yeah honestly that's our answer and Uh, it's true sometimes you do have to because of that (laughs) but yeah but sometimes Uh, you don't (laughs) Yeah. And then we, and then we talk about like, you know, the most important thing to do is, is remember what heavenly father wants us to do. You know, um, when you were talking about all of that, just this last Sunday, 
Um, we, we got ready for church, hustled into the car, um, got to church, got everybody into our pew. And, um, and I was sitting there and I was like, okay, we're four minutes early doing great. Taking a deep breath, you know, get ready. I look over at my son and he's wearing his white shirt and his tie and, um, he's six years old and his hair's done and, and I'm feeling pretty good. Then he bends over and he has chocolate clear down the back of his white shirt, just like, (laughs) (laughs) I thought, Oh my word, that is embarrassing. Like that's so embarrassing. And, and right then I thought, you know what? I can laugh at this or I can feel like a mom failure, you know, that I I can't even say, put your jacket on, put your suit jacket on because he refuses to wear one. So, Uh, well, and it would stay in the jacket anyway. (laughs) (laughs) And I just thought, you know what? I am just, I closed my eyes. I just thought, I'm just not going to care. I'm not going to care. He's six years old. I'm not going to care. And um, through sacrament meeting, I kept looking over at him and being like, I'm not going to care. I'm not going to care. And, um, and it was a really good, like I've been, I was thinking about this podcast. I was thinking about everything and, and I, and I thought we just, we need to do that more. Mm -hmm. Who cares? Who cares that my son has chocolate? all over yeah, really you know? we don't care yeah <laughs> yeah like i i was the only one i am sure i'm the only one in that building who cared there might have been other mime moms who looked at it and said oh he's got something yeah. on his shirt oh yeah there's a six-year-old yeah. yeah yep that's 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 what you think when you say yep yep that's a six-year-old right there <laughs> and with teenagers who are doing teenager stuff you say yep that's a teenager <laughs> right in yeah. fact, I've I've noticed this phenomenon uh, over for like twenty years. I've been seeing this, well, more than twenty years, and I I'm, I think it happens every single year. You know, probably everyone's favorite sacrament meeting is the primary program, right? Mm-hmm. Everyone loves it. But what I have noticed is there all there's always some child who's doing something they shouldn't up there, right? That they're goof, they're 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 bouncing or they're playing with a toy that they weren't supposed to have up there or whatever, right? Uh, or they they say something the funny or they say whatever you know right? that's what that's the joy of the sacrament program, and mm-hmm. here's what I've noticed that whatever those children are doing that everyone else finds to be so beautiful and endearing and and wonderful about children the parents are dying about <laughs> like they're so mortified that their child is doing that while the reaction of everyone else is that is fantastic that that child is doing that that is what a child should do yay right and but the parent themselves is mortified and i i don't know how we uh kind of break out of that and and instead just take joy not only just with our children but and the other things of life where we can all just take joy and say yep that's how life is i guess we're all gonna laugh at that instead of say oh what are other people thinking about me Yeah. I, as my, as my kids are getting older and, um, and I'm talking to moms, I mean, I still have really little kids. My youngest is three. So I'm still in that like shouting out in sacrament meeting stage. And, (laughs) um, but, um, but I've been in it for enough years that, and I've, if I'm paying attention to my kids, I'm paying attention to other people's kids too, you know? Yeah. And, and I do, I find that like, I don't care if somebody else's kid yells out. Yeah. I don't care if somebody else's kid is, is playing up on the stand during the primary program. I don't care if somebody else's kid runs up the aisle during testimony meeting and, you know, and does a full loop around the sacrament, around the chapel. Yeah. I don't care. So, and I, I really, I have to remind myself if I don't care about other people's kids doing that, then most likely other people don't care that my kids are doing that. I just, it's just a constant, like you have to remind yourself, you are not the one that yeah. everybody is looking to, to be the perfect standard. <laughs> <laughs> <Good>. <laughs> You're just not. <laughs> yeah. 
And, and we probably have to be brutally honest for a moment that there probably are a few people somewhere in there that are bothered by all of these things. And we have to not be bothered by the fact that they're bothered. I, I, honestly, it, that's more their problem than I, I will still remember um, when we were young and had lots of little kids and we were in a ward where there were a lot of people who had lots of little kids. And then there was a newly mar married uh, girl. So this was a, uh, a student ward, both married and single student ward. So everyone was, I, I was, well, I was older. I was a graduate student anyway, but most people were young. Um, and uh, uh, there was a, a newly married girl who was talking with my wife and she said, uh, well, when, when I have children and we come to church, my children will never have a runny nose. Uh, and we both just kind of thought, well, yeah, okay, if you uh, invent the cure to the common cold, then I'd like to be your friend because you're going to make a lot of money, right? I mean, you tell me how you figure out how to have kids not have runny noses. But uh, but the interesting thing is that that's something that that bothered her. And I thought, what a, what a funny thing to be bothered about, that hmm. children have runny noses. Why? Why does that bother you? And uh, and I I, I kind of had to make that conscious decision. Okay, well I can't be conscious about my kids around her when they have runny noses. They, I mean, yes, we try and wipe the noses, right? We, we have to do that. But um, but I can't be I can't let her issue with that bother me because the fact of the matter is that kids have runny noses, and even if that bothers some people, that's okay. Uh, I, I can't be bothered or worried or consumed with that. Um, and that's an important thing, especially as we, because some things aren't that important, like runny noses aren't that important. Um, what is difficult are, are like children losing their faith, um, and that kind of a thing. And yet, um, I, I think again, we have to decide to not be bothered by that. That's that's happening as much as kids are having runny noses. And does it mean you're a bad parent if uh, your child has a runny nose? No. Does it mean you're a bad parent if your child is struggling with their faith? No. In fact, I, I really don't know any families that don't have – with older kids that don't have someone that doesn't have some kind of struggle, whether it's faith or – uh, something along those lines. I don't know any families that don't have some kind of struggle. That's the nature of mortal probation and of our day and, and, and time here in the last days. That's the nature of it. And I think we both have to give ourselves some slack, give other people some slack, give ourselves some slack and decide that's not how I judge myself as a parent. Mm -hmm. uh, how I judge myself as a parent because, well, let's look at it this way. If we're going to judge parents by whether or not their children have problems, God's a pretty miserable failure as a parent. <laughs> and I actually don't think he's a miserable failure as a parent. This is the nature of mortal probation. And so I think God judges himself on whether he's still loving us and working with us. And that's probably how we should judge ourselves as well and not on all of these other things. Yeah, I I love that. Um, I, th I think about that often. Um, Heavenly Father is the perfect parent. Yeah. Heavenly Mother is the perfect parent. Yes. And, and why are they? Because they love us perfectly and because they let us choose for ourselves. Yes. You know, they give us agency they they realize that um that they have to let us learn and grow to become like them um i loved elder ukdorf's talk this last conference in the april um 2023 conference um jesus christ is the strength of parents yes because in that um in that talk he said sometimes we, we might wonder if someone else might be better qualified to guide and teach our children, that no matter how inadequate you may feel, you have something that uniquely qualifies you, your love for your child. Yes. A parent's love for a child is one of the strongest forces in the universe. It's one of the few things on this earth that can truly be eternal. And I think that is what sets our heavenly parents apart 
um, from us is that they have a perfect love for us. They, they know what we need and they love us so much that they let us have it. Our growth and our struggles and our, our need for them and their love, their eternal love just helps us come back to them because we trust them. And the more we, the more we get to know them and the more we rely on them, the more we see how close they are to us. And the more we see that in our pattern with them, the more we can pattern that as parents ourselves and, um, and as caregivers, if we can just love our children, those who have strayed from the path, those who are making really dumb decisions as teenagers, the exasperating three-year-old, the more we can just love them with as perfect a love as we can, we will be giving them, um, Elder Uchtdorf said, one of the strongest forces in the universe. And, and if that doesn't tie them to what is good and holy, then there is nothing that can, you know, it, our love is what our children need. Um, good. Very good. In fact, maybe I can tie that in in a different way. And we might as well, uh, since we're together, uh, plug some covenant communication publications. Um, uh, the, the My latest book with you uh, on uh, finding blessings on the covenant path, uh, as I was trying to explain what the covenant path was. And um, I felt like part of it, I wanted to make sure people understood, well, you know, we have these different covenants we make, baptism and uh, initiatory ordinances and endowment and sealing and so on and renewing the the sacrament and that if you're just kind of either working towards those or if you've made those working towards being able to like continue to go to the temple or something um that that's part of the covenant path but um and i and i think that's true but i also realized that even so that can become i was trying to avoid kind of a checklist think right uh if you get all these things done on the checklist that's kind of the the young man uh, I, uh, and, and Jesus says to him, do no murder, don't commit adultery, don't steal, don't bear false witness, honor thy father and thy mother, love thy neighbor as thyself, uh, right? That, that can feel checklist. Although, I mean, some of that's an easy checklist. Like it's pretty easy to not murder people for the most part. Um, but, uh, it's it still, you know, it's, so there are things we have to do, but note how he ends that love your neighbor, right? So there are some things we're avoiding and some things we're doing, but really the end is honor your father and your mother and love your neighbor. Those are a way of being, not a thing of doing, right? Now, things of doing will flow from that, but it's a way of of being. And uh, as I was kind of wrestling through these issues, it, it became very clear to me that the greatest uh, barometer as to whether or not we're on the covenant path is what are your motives for the things you do? Is it because you love God, you love your parents, you love your neighbor, or is it because you're trying to get your checklist done? And if you're trying to get your checklist done, I mean, you may, you're still on the covenant path, but I don't think as safely and, and not with as much joy or finding as many blessings. Uh, it's, it's when we forget about the, I need to do this. I need to look this way. My family needs to look this way. Uh, and so on and so on. And again, I'm not talking physical appearance, but just all sorts of things about, you know, this this is how we look like. We we have children that play piano and that participate in sports and that get straight A's and whatever else, right? Uh, all these things we've constructed as a society, uh, it, the larger society and the LDS society, um, it, it, those things are good. But, but what's better is to say, ah, I love God. And I love my children and I love my neighbor. And then you just start doing the things that flow naturally out of that. And obviously you won't have time or ability to do everything you want to because you love people. But if your focus is on the love, then you don't feel bad about that. You just do what you can do because you love. And uh, in fact, oh, that reminds me of uh, something. Let me see. Uh, President Benson taught uh, this here. Uh, President Benson said, when we put God first, and I think that means love God, all other things fall into their proper place or drop out of our lives. 
Our love of the Lord will govern the claims of our affection, the demands on our time, the interests we pursue, and the order of our priorities. This is simple but strong doctrine. And I think that that speaks to a little bit of what we were just uh, talking about earlier, this idea that we're all busy. And there's no way we can do all those things. As as parents, my wife and I frequently would say, wow, we need to figure out what to cut out of our lives. And and so we'd start cutting out some soccer practices and some piano lessons and some this and that and this and that. And we usually could be successful at that for like two or three weeks. And then everything starts to get too busy. We're like, oh, well, but we got to do this and we got to do that. We got, right. Um, but I think when you focus on loving God, and loving each other, then it will be natural to let some things just go and not feel guilty about it. And mm-hmm. and also to let some things about yourself go to say, mm-hmm. so I can't tell you how many times, and I, I know we're talking about mothers, but I, I, I can only talk about having been a father. Um, I cannot tell you how many times after an interaction with my children when they didn't do well or some kind of problem or whatever, afterwards I said to myself, huh, you know, you knew how to do that better and you've already told yourself not to do it the way you just did it. You need to do that better. Uh, and that might be uh, being too sharp with them or it might be just not giving them enough time to express themselves. I mean, there are a, a whole bunch of ways I'm trying to be better that I keep struggling with, right? Um, but we need to be okay with saying, all right, well, that's part of my mortal probation. I've, I'm going to keep learning and then trust that God will make up that difference. And that's become actually probably the thing that I I pray for the most and have developed the greatest faith in because I pray for it the most, that God can heal, whether it's my children or anyone else I interact with, uh, he can heal them of the things I didn't do as well as he or I would have liked uh, for them to do because I, I am, my intents are good and my execution doesn't match my intents but that's why there's Christ. Yeah. I, how many times have all of us said that I have told myself that I wasn't going to do that again. And here I am doing it. (laughs) I promised myself I was going to handle that situation differently next time. And I didn't, um, it just, it's a constant, And that's one of the things about this young man in these verses is that he is looking for a one and done. And, and Christ is saying, come follow me. Yeah. It's not a one and done, sir. I'm sorry. Like you, you've got a long road ahead of you. And what do we learn in second Nephi chapter 31 is all done. Once you've entered into the straight and narrow path. no you, you still have to keep going. You still have to rely on Christ and continue on the covenant path. You know, you, that's this young man misses two important, important facts in this conversation. And that's one of them that we are on the covenant path, as you talk about in your book and, and it's a long road. It's this entire, like it's eternity, you know, and, and this life is a time to prepare for that, to learn and to grow. Um, this, this, this life is not the test. It's the classroom, right? We are learning and growing every day. And the second thing that this young man misses is what Christ asked him, at the very beginning, he misses that Jesus is the Christ um, who walks away sorrowing when they are staring at the savior himself, you know, when they're standing right in front of him, asking how to have eternal life, who walks away from that when they know who Christ is. And and so th- those are two lessons that we can learn from this young man. One, Jesus is the Christ. And if we can rely on him, he will help us. And I'm going to come back to that in just a second. And two, we, we are never in a one and done situation in this life. Never. We are in a constant path 
of doing it over and over and over and learning over and over and over, messing up over and over and over and getting back up again, repenting, fixing, improving, and just continuing to, to become more like God, whether it's a, a little centimeter of a step or a foot or a yard, you know, whatever the case may be, we are constantly moving toward God. Uh, in this life. Um, I, um, I think it's important for us to realize that we have to, I, I said at the beginning of this podcast, we have to keep going with this story because a lot of times we stop with, and he went away sorrowful for he had great possessions. Um, but we have to keep going into the next few verses because Jesus says, um, Verily I say unto you that a rich man shall hardly enter into the kingdom of heaven. Um, again, I say unto you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God. And so we have these statements here from Christ, like this, this guy, like it's easier for the, for a camel to go through an eye of a needle than for this guy to enter the, the kingdom of God. It's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a mom to win mother of the year award, you know, <laughs> to be the mom that she's supposed to be. Or at least that she, she, well, in two terms that she is supposed to be and that she thinks she's supposed to be right. Yeah. <clears throat> but I think it's so important to keep reading to verse 26, but Jesus beheld them and said unto them, with men, this is impossible, but with God, all things are possible. So in our minds, we're saying, I'm not the mom I'm supposed to be. I'm not the, the woman. I'm not the man. I'm not, I cannot measure up. I'm, I try so hard. What lack I yet? And Christ says, you alone, it's impossible for you to be that person. But with God, with me, all things are possible. You will be that person if you keep going with me, if you come and follow me. We have to finish that story. Very good. To end on verse 22 is so hopeless. And so like, I can't do it. To end on verse 23, to end on verse 24, like it's all so like, how can, how can I do this? How can I be the mom? How can I be the dad? How can I be the, the person I'm supposed to be? Well, with God, all things are possible. So good. In fact, maybe we can take that and, and a couple of other things that you've, you've mentioned. And uh, you were just asking a second ago, like who walks away? From the savior sorrowing and to some degree the answer is all of us who aren't willing to give up all these things you've been talking about right the uh, and that we've been talking about that the the false ideas of what we need to become or of what we need to be right now or that we can do it on our own uh, anyone who isn't giving that up is walking away from christ sorrowing um but if we were to continue reading even after that so you know, you have Peter saying, well, we've given up everything uh, and and what should we have? Um, and I want to skip down to verse 29. Uh, and everyone that hath forsaken houses or brethren or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or lands for my name's sake shall receive an hundredfold and shall inherit everlasting life. Now, in terms of this discussion, I think we could say everyone who's forsaken um, your idea of having a perfect house what your brothers and sisters have told you your you being a father or a mother should look like um, or what, you know, the Internet and TikTok and Facebook and whatever else has told you your life and your parenthood and your family should look like. Uh, and, and you've given up the world's telling you you need to have all your children should be perfect uh, piano players and have straight A's uh, when you've given up all of that. In other words, when you've given up what the world is saying is important, that's what he's saying there. When you have given up what the world is telling you is important, and instead you've decided to follow me, then you have eternal life because of exactly what you're saying. Because with him, it's possible. It's not possible on our own. It's possible 
with him. And if we were to tie that back into uh, your your wonderful quote from uh, Elder Uchtdorf about the the one thing that we have uh, that's unique is love. Uh, and I would say if you're going to ask yourself if you're uh, a successful or a good mom or a good dad, uh, then ask yourself, do you love your children and do you ask for Christ to make up the difference? And if mm -hmm. so, then you're a good mom and dad. That's, I mean, I think that's, those are the two requirements to be right. a good mom and dad. And maybe the only two requirements for being a good mom and dad. Well, I mean, I think we should avoid the murdering and the, all these other things <laughs> uh, of our children, right? I mean, we shouldn't be abusive to them, certainly. But I think that doesn't happen if you're loving God and uh, uh, asking Christ to make up the difference. It doesn't mean you won't have moments that you don't regret. Right. There are moments I mean, I wouldn't call myself abusive, but there are certainly moments where I thought, huh, that probably was uh, less gentle emotionally than I would have liked to have been. <laughs> um, uh, <laughs> but still, I love my children and I'm asking God to make up the difference. So I feel like I'm a good dad. Yeah, we have to. So Brad Wilcox gave a blockbuster talk. Um, his grace is sufficient. Mm. And, um, and in that talk, he, uh, he tells a story about a young woman who comes into his office and doesn't understand grace. And so um, they're talking about grace. And then Brad draws a line, uh, draws two dots and says, this is God. And this is you. Um, draw the line where you feel like you're how much you're doing of your part and how much Christ is doing of his part. And the young woman starts to draw the line in the middle and then stops because they'd been talking about grace. And um, and so then she goes back to her dot and draws the line closer to her dot for her responsibility. And Brad says, wrong and she goes oh i knew it i knew it. i knew i had to do more and she is starting to draw her the line closer to the middle you know and he says no the truth is there is no line jesus filled the whole space he yeah. paid our debt in full he didn't pay it all except for a few coins he paid it all yeah it is finished um, as, as parents, like we're not trying to, to do a certain part and then God's going to save us or he's going to save our kids. Like we are all saved already, right? We're just determining where our seat is in heaven. Okay. We, we already get to go to heaven. We already do because Christ filled the whole space between us and him. And as soon as we can let go of our responsibility as parents to get our kids to heaven and just realize like Christ already did that. All we have to do is love them and nurture them and teach them about Christ. That's our responsibility. The proclamation on the family says that very clearly. It says that our sacred duty is to rear our children in love and righteousness, to provide for their physical and spiritual needs, and to teach them to love and to serve one another, observe the commandments of God, and be law-abiding citizens wherever they live. It doesn't say our sacred duty as parents is to make sure that our kids are perfect. And have no chocolate on their shirts. Right, right. <laughs> it doesn't say our job, our sacred duty as parents is to be the perfect parent. It doesn't say that anywhere. You will not find that anywhere. In any doctrine of the church, in any teaching of the church, you will not find that. Our job is not to be the perfect parent and to never mess up and to have kids who never mess up. Our job, our sacred duty is to realize that these kids are not our kids. They are our heavenly parents' kids. And we just need to help them get back to them. And it's their choice whether they go back. It's not ours. 
We just need to show them the path in whatever capacity we can. And then it's their choice whether they go back or not, not ours. That's our sole responsibility as parents. That's so good. And maybe maybe I can just share a, a, a little bit. Uh, I mean, I probably should have just let you end on that note because it's so powerful, but um, maybe I can just share a little bit uh, about two experiences that have really enforced upon me that these are God's children and how much we need to remember that. Um, one of these, I think I shared about a year ago, but um, I have a, a friend who uh, just a devoted disciple of Christ and, and his family was that way, but uh, his wife uh, left the church, left him, and has been kind of actively trying to pull the children away from the church. And that's a tough place to be. Yeah. And my friend uh, says he, one day he was praying and uh, and saying, God, I don't know what to do to save my children. I just don't know what to do. And the answer he got very distinctly was, that's not your job. That's my job. I save them. You just love them. I save them. Um, and I can remember a time not that long ago with my own child who's been having uh, some health challenges and a lot of other things and uh, and just praying uh, to say, God, please help me to know what to do for my child and having that distinct impression. This is my child. She's my child. And I'm glad you're praying. But I also want to save her, and I will be taking care of her. Uh, and those those moments are powerful to remember. Uh, we're we're just stewards, and uh, that's that coming to Christ part that you've been talking about, right? Just mm -hmm. come to Christ. He has a vested interest in uh, our children, and uh, he'll he'll make up the difference if we're just trying. Yeah. We, we seriously have to focus on less on what lack I yet and more on come and follow me. Yeah. Um, that is, that is the key phrase in, I feel like, I feel like in this week's lesson, come and follow me. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter what efforts you have or haven't made as a parent. It doesn't matter what you have and haven't done as a, a woman, as a man. Just come and follow me. Amen. Amen. That's the note to end on. Thank you. Amen. And I guess we'll wish everyone a, a happy Mother's Day and happy discipleship, just uh, following Christ, being disciples. Uh, maybe happy Mother's Day and a happy Disciples Day are the same thing. Um, <laughs> but uh, thank you so much, Sam. And yeah. we hope that uh, everyone will uh, not only be edified by this, but if you uh, think of someone else that uh, might be edified, share this with them as well. So, yeah, sure. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Thank you.